Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Experiments Web Clinic audio replay. Marketing Experiments is an online marketing research laboratory. The web clinic you are about to hear is broadcast live to an international audience of marketing professionals. Sign up to be invited to future web clinics, as well as gain updates on our research by visiting marketingexperiments.com. Hello and welcome everyone to this installment of Marketing Experiments' long-running web uh, uh, email or <laughs> web conference series. The topic of this week's um, um, webinar is the five best ways to optimize email response, part two. I want to note again today that we have a record-setting attendance. We have well over 2,000, and so the usual warnings about logging on and off. Once you get logged on, please try not to get logged off or you may not be able to get back on. And we would very much like you to actively use the Q&A feature during the call to interact with us as much as possible. Introducing today's speakers, uh, my name is Greg Birmingham. I'm the president of Marketing Experiments. And we have with us today Flint McLaughlin, who's the director of the MEC Labs Group, and also Andy Mott, senior manager of research partnerships at Marketing Experiments. Today, we're going to quickly review two key points that were presented by Dr. McLaughlin in his presentation at the Marketing Sherpa email summit a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for those of you who didn't attend, the good news is that all of that content is available for you on the Marketing Experiments blog. Uh, so just go to the blog and you'll be able to click and listen to the, the uh, entire uh, presentation. Then Dr. McLaughlin will present three additional principles that he wasn't able to, to uh, present last week on specifically how to craft effective email messages. Then we have a large number of submissions from our audience of uh, emails and landing pages for uh, live optimization, and we'll get to many of those as we possibly can. So without uh, further ado, I'll turn the time over to Dr. McLaughlin. Thank you, Greg. We have a very busy schedule, so we're going to get right down to business. It is a cardinal rule in crafting speaking presentations that you don't begin with an extensive review. However, we do want to connect you with the content from last week so that if you were in the recent uh, Marketing Sherpa Summit, you can fit the next three principles to the last two. Beyond that, we also want to help you, uh, if you are new, get a sense of where we started last week and then let you supplement your learning by going to the website and getting the content that Greg has spoken of. Last week, we began by showing three different pieces of collateral. We asked our audience to vote on which one was the strongest. All three were designed by an agency, all designed to improve the conversion of a particular piece of email collateral. And as you may note on the slide that you have below, all of them underperformed. Now, that's not to denigrate our agencies. A large portion of our audience are agencies, and we appreciate their work. It's just to point out that good design requires more than an eye for color or layout, but rather an understanding of a deep methodology that connects to the cognitive psychology of the email process. We use that to help begin teaching a series of principles that you can apply to get greater results with your email. And uh, the first principle was this, best practices are not enough. It's essential to work within a rigorous methodology. That was demonstrated with a number of case studies, and then we went to the second principle. Uh, before I go there, let me just point out for you that we laid out a formula that was designed after about a billion emails being analyzed over the last 12 months in our research laboratory. Today we're not going to teach the formula, but we're going to extract from it certain key principles. 
these first two that we taught last week came from this particular email heuristic. And uh, it was the key, really, to a breakthrough at the Marketing Experiments Laboratory that helped us understand the most effective way to get a result in uh, a particular email campaign. This was followed up by the second principle which we taught, which is clear messages are more effective than persuasive tactics. In simple terms, clarity trumps persuasion. We taught this with a number of examples, and then we went straight to live optimization. Both principles connected again to this heuristic, and that really leads us to today's program, which is designed to provide you the other three key principles, and then to apply them in real time with uh, the submissions that you've given to us. I have not even seen the emails that have been gathered by our team. I'll see them for the first time when you do. So we're going to move rapidly through a teaching time that is designed to be dense with important content, but uh, usable and actionable. And we'll move from that content straight forward to the live optimization. And uh, let's begin part two by moving straight forward to uh, the third principle, which is this. Clarity is, in an email message, is fostered by proper thought sequence. Now, please connect that. In the previous principle, we said that clarity trumps persuasion. We're now saying that clarity in an email message is fostered. It is uh, enhanced by a proper thought sequence. You've probably heard more conversation from us in the past about thought sequence. Let's explain this in the context of an email. An email message must be viewed as part of a conversation that connects a recipient's previous engagements to future ones. One of the grave mistakes we make with our emails is that we send them out as if they were magazine pages. They do not connect. They do not start a conversation. They simply assault the senses of the recipient with banners and graphics and offers. In some sense, in some way, you can get some result from these, just like you can in a magazine. But when you reduce email into this tiny perspective, you reduce effectiveness. We need to think in a different way about email. It is about a conversation. It is, therefore, dependent upon trust. And to really get clarity in the email that fosters trust, you need to match the pacing of the email to the proper thought sequence. Let's look at some examples of what this is like when it's done right and when it's done wrong. So, in front of us now is an example of how we don't like to see this occur. Look at the message carefully and tell me what's wrong with it. In fact, you might want to use the chat feature to look at this particular uh, header. And as you look at the chat feature, tell me the mistakes that, uh, that you're seeing presently. And I'm just going to look at some of the submissions. What would you do differently? Someone says uh, it's salesy and not personal. Uh, someone, I think it's Harry, says the word save is wrong. Uh, Scott says it's from sales. Uh, again, Martha says it's the from field, the from line. Another one says it's uh, uh, not specific. Uh, another one says there's no personalization. That's from Jason. Let's go back to the actual uh, example. And I would agree with you. We have a problem with the from line. We have a problem with uh, the subject line. And let's look at an improved version that was actually used in a campaign and achieved a very significant result. This is a more effective approach. It's from a real person. Remember something. Again, people don't buy from an email. People buy from people. People don't buy from a landing page. People buy from people. 
This is an email from Brian Johnson, and it's from the technical support manager. The reason we specify the technical support manager is that we don't want you to put your guard up and think, now I need to protect myself against the persuasion tactics of the evil marketing team who's trying to somehow lure me into their trap. Unfortunately, that mindset is, uh, is common, and it's common because we are barraged every day by spam and by all kinds of uh, unrelated, irrelevant messages. By making the from field denote a real person and by shifting it from a sales focus to a help focus, that's what technical support should signify, we, we lower the guard and we increase the chances of an open. Now, just getting an open is not enough. And as we go further with this, we need to see how that impacts the first three lines of the email. But let's keep looking. You'll notice there's a difference in the subject. Several of you said it was not specific enough, and you are absolutely correct. In the improved version, we say speed up your Dell Latitude D620. Now, in this particular case, the email is being sent to a previous customer. We already know what computer they have. They've purchased memory from us before. And so we also know that based on timing in the database, that memory is probably getting old. And so we are trying to incentivize them and trying to make them feel safe all at the same time. We incentivize them by emphasizing the benefit, not late in the phrasing, but first in the phrasing. Speed up is the first thing you see. Speed is an attractive word to a computer user. It's an attractive word to me. But then we move forward by being so specific in the subject line. We help you to understand that we know who you are and you obviously must have a relationship with us. And then we incentivize it even deeper by adding another benefit on the opposite end of the subject line, and that is the free memory tool. The combination of benefit on the beginning, benefit on the end, and specificity in the center makes this a far more effective way to get your email opened. So see that as an example, and just remember that we're looking for transferable principles that you can take today and you can apply as we look at your own pages. Some of you on this call are going to have your landing pages reviewed or your emails reviewed. And uh, let's look at another example. So here is the same email, and this is the original performance or the original uh, messaging and it said dear customer your computer may need new memory and then the name of the site has over 19,548 memory modules available at discount prices I want to stop right there this email came from a student of uh, the marketing experiments team this is a good email it is better than many of the emails that we'll probably even look at today but Adequacy is the enemy of excellence. And this, this company, knowing that good is uh, better than bad, also knew that it's not as good as best. And so they're trying to take something that's working and improve it. And many of us settle for low results that we really don't have to settle for once we understand the psychology of the email. Then it says this, take a look at our new memory deals. Let me get your comments quickly. Let's, remove, let's move the chat in the audience. I need your participation. Now, there are many of you online, so rapidly send these. Bear in mind that even when we don't get to all of your recommendations, we read every single line and we connect it to understand the overall comprehension of our audience, their expertise level, and even your comments that will help us. We are data analysts here, so we analyze your feedback. It's very valuable to us. Someone says no personalization. I'm reading the salutation isn't personalized. I don't like the word and, someone says. 
insert computer type and specific appropriate information. Another one says, uh, we're saying we're number 19,549. That's from Rona, but I'm not sure I understand that. It says, uh, not personal, and it said the message could be confusing from uh, Matthias. Let's go back to the improved version, and let's see how it's different. All right, so here, first of all, is a technique that we pioneered in our laboratory that seems to make a big result uh, in email and getting people to read uh, the email or to move it out of the panel and, and click on it so they can get the full impact of the message. We use a nested subject line. Now, there is a subject line that is actually the official subject line of the email uh, per every email that is sent. But we nest the subject line down in the body. You can see it here in this case. It says, your computer, colon, Dell Latitude D260. That is a key way to say, you know who we are, we know who you are, this is a relationship-driven email. You're getting this for a reason. And then it talks about the current memory type. That has two specific uh, strategic reasons for being there. First of all, it tells them in a very specific way, uh, even more specific than the computer type, that there's an existing relationship and that we know exactly what it is that you need. At the same time, however, it helps you solve a problem that you may have if you go to the website and you're not sure what kind of memory you should order. We help you sort that out also. Now, based on those two changes at the top of the email, we've begun a conversation establishing trust in the first few lines. This is a critical component. There is a sequence of thought taking place for the person who receives this email. In the beginning, their guard is up. They're reading the email to eliminate it. We'll talk about that later. They're trying to get rid of the junk in their inbox. And you've got to stop that with an interruption that gets them to pay attention enough at least to read the first two to three lines. And then you've got to use the first two to three lines to get them to read enough of the offer to respond. As we will see later, the offer isn't necessarily what you're selling. It may just be to click through to get to the landing page where the true selling can be done. In this case, Dear Bob is very specific and it's personalized. And then it says, and I want you to note the importance of the first sentence. I would not have written this sentence five years ago. I would have went right to the offer. But email has changed and you must overcome the resistance before you can even start the sale. And this, the key of this first sentence is again to beat the guard further down so that they're open enough to hear the message. It says you purchased 512 megabytes of memory for your Dell Latitude D620. We appreciate your trust. That is a powerful opening line. It implies that you trust us already. And I think it's fair to say because we can point out that you trusted us enough to purchase from us in the past. This establishes a level of uh, intimacy that opens this recipient up to the possibility of a further purchase. And it's a far superior email to the first. So here's an example of that principle in action. Let's move again to another principle. Proper thought sequences are synchronized to the decision pattern of the recipient. Now there is a kind of uh, a train uh, moving all the way through these principles. The first one is foundational. But the next three connect... And in the same way that we said clarity is achieved by connecting with the thought process or synchronizing with it, we now move to another piece where we're essentially saying that that proper thought sequence must be synchronized to the existing decision pattern. If you were in a long sales cycle, you would note that there are certain kinds of people, and I'm talking B2B now, and I'm not talking about email, but just as an example, 
you'd notice that certain decision makers require three to five steps before they're willing to say yes, just to get comfortable. I'm not talking about the politics and the committees. I'm talking about the individual decision maker often is someone who requires several steps, particularly at the middle management level. You'll notice that some people in very senior positions, like the CEO, will make a fast decision. They're quite confident in their ability to make a decision on the spot. And sometimes deals are done in a single conversation. In fact, companies have been sold on a handshake. When you are trying to sell to a particular decision maker in the B2B process, you're often working very hard to try and make certain that there are enough decision steps that you don't move too fast for the close. One person you might sense needs, you know, a period of time and three to five contact points, whereas another needs less or another might need more. In each of these cases, what you're doing is you're synchronizing the rhythm of your offer to the decision pattern of that person. Now, let's take that and apply it to email. In email, there is a kind of classic decision pattern that you need to match in order to synchronize with the thoughts. So, let's look at a very helpful diagram. And uh, you're going to see that same email, no, this is a separate email, I'm sorry, sent uh, essentially from the Marketing Experiments Group. I want to show you that in this simple email, there is a strategy. And that strategy is designed to match the decision pattern of the recipient. It looks like a short email. In fact, it's far shorter than most of the emails that we'll review today. But we're clear about something here. The goal of the email, in our case, is only to get a click. We do not want to sell in the email and then sell again in the landing page. If they're already sold, they don't need to be sold in the landing page. And if the landing page is your best voice, think of it as your best salesperson, then don't try to sell the product in the email. What you must do is give them just enough information in the email to get them to click through to the landing page. Now, this is a, a mock-up from an email that we sent some time ago, and you'll notice that the job of this email is only to get you to click through where we can present you with more comprehensive information in a format or a medium that allows us to use links and, and visuals that we can't put into an email effectively. More importantly, notice that there is a decision pattern. The first key is to capture their attention. Now, capturing their attention is vital because this is a person who is being fractured by the enormous amount of information coming to them through their inbox, across their browser, from their peers, and then overlayer in that uh, same world of intense information overload are the demands of their superiors, their deadlines, and even issues in their personal life. You are competing with all of that. Think of it as noise. And somehow your voice has to be heard. The first thing your email has to do is to somehow get a kind of singularity amidst all of those voices and quietly be heard. The reason I say quietly is because when you scream at me amidst all the noise, it's, uh, it, which we often do with our buy now and hurry before it's too late kinds of emails, uh, it only adds to the pressure and in many cases reduces uh, your credibility and really my willingness to continue the conversation with you. So we start with a embedded subject line again, the research results you requested. Does everyone see the significance of that subject line? Tell me why that's effective. Take your uh, chat feature and tell me what it is about that particular subject line that lends someone to reading at least the first 
two or three lines afterward. Uh, it has you in it, says Cora. It's directed to the recipient, says someone else. It seems personal, says Gil. It is tailored, says Scott. It's a request. I think Cassie says the key that I'd like to point out. It says you requested. Now, you is important. And request is important. But the combination of the two words makes it far more powerful. Let's return to the example. It says the research results you requested. In doing so, it's letting you know that this email did not come to you in a random way or out of the blue, but it came to you because we knew you asked for it. Then it's quite personal. It lets you know that it's only coming to something you've subscribed for. And then it begins with a personal note from one of us, the president of Marketing Experiments. Now that's powerful because it tells you again that there's an authority figure talking to you personally about something you requested, which gets you perhaps to the first paragraph. Notice the very personal tone. I felt, that's what uh, Greg says, I felt it was important to personally inform you regarding one of the most significant breakthroughs in the history of our paid search experimentation. Now, that's an honest statement, and if it isn't, the email shouldn't be sent. But because it's an honest statement, it makes a lot of sense to invest a single click to discover this if you happen to be someone who's requested information about paid search. Powerful. So, what we have done is we've used the first section of the email to synchronize with your decision pattern. And we know the first thing we have to do is to capture your attention. There's another key uh, component here, and that's we have to convince you. Now, be careful. All we need to convince you is that a click is worth your time. We aren't convincing you to buy something because we can't do it effectively in an email in most cases. We're not convincing you to make a prolonged decision, to provide us with uh, much information, to join up, sign up, register. We just need to convince you that it's worth a click. And sometimes we do that by telling you less rather than telling you more. When the goal is very clear, when the objective is to convince, and you know what you are trying to convince the other party to do, often you can reduce much of the noise in your email and simply give them a strong enough reason to click forward to get to the information they need. Now, I'll point this out. If you lead off with an email like this, you send it to your list, you tell them it's a historic breakthrough, they go to the landing page, and all they get is a bunch of nonsense from you, or a real heavy sell, or a piece of information that looks like it's old or not original, if it doesn't really match the expectation you created in the email, good luck on your next send. You'll see diminishing returns. But if you deliver, this will work every single time you do it. Uh, so the goal of the second stage in the thought sequence is to convince them. And the subsequent paragraph only emphasizes that, sometimes adding elements that we don't have here, for instance, urgency. A problem in the thought sequence is that someone, first of all, gives you their attention. Then they think it could be worthwhile. And then if you were to look at their thought like a Gantt chart, there may be a divide right at that point where they decide to do it now or to do it later. In many cases, their earnest intention is to do it later when they decide to wait. But life happens to them. And despite their intention, they don't carry it out. And you lose someone who truly wanted to visit your page or to see your offer. And this is where urgency comes in. I'm not talking about false urgency. I'm not talking about uh, a lie or a piece of code that somehow makes them feel like the offer is going to expire and then it renews itself every day. I've seen that. But an honest urgency that you can find will really make a difference. At the summit that you were at, 
we really honestly only printed a hundred of the white papers that we thought we would give out to the audience. We did not expect to run out so soon. When we said we had a hundred, they would have all been gone by the end of the first day. And you probably don't know this, but we literally went to printers while you were at the event trying to get more printed to get them into your hand. That was genuine urgency. You need to get some before they run out. And then we respond to try to get more to you. But it's also quite effective in getting people to come and to visit. That is a secondary result that comes from honestly telling people the truth in a way that helps them to understand a genuine sense of urgency. Brings me to the third key, and that is the close. In this case, there's a call to action, there's a signature, and there's a powerful postscript. Do not underestimate the power of a postscript, even an email. In direct mail, those of you that have experience know that a postscript is one of the most powerful ways to summarize the key part of your message. In this particular case, this sequential thought from capture to convince to essentially get them to act is, uh, is classic. And you might say to yourself, yeah, but that's so, so predictable. Uh, Aristotle wrote poetics uh, thousands of years ago, and yet the same pattern the three-act approach and the two-act approach and the five-act approach for hundreds of years has been, has been woven into the way you tell effective story. People don't change that much. This pattern is uh, integral to the cognitive psychology of human nature. And understanding that means you need to sequence your offer in the proper way to do this. Now, if you were at the Marketing Sherpa Summit, you may have seen that we used a lot of graphic-intensive emails, both in our explanations and in our live optimization. Some of you may have thought that we prefer lots of graphics. Actually, we don't. If you look at our own emails, you'll see that we don't use too many graphics. Less is more. But I want you to point out that even in traditional e-commerce where you have a large product offering, having those graphics is still a critical part of uh, communication. But if it gets in the way of conversation, it's costing you conversion. Don't let the communication itself and the graphics get in the way of authentic conversation that forms a kind of two-way relationship. You are not shouting at people in an email. You should be establishing a conversation. Now, my time is running out. And I'm going to instruct my team, because I'm not wearing a watch today, gentlemen, to keep me posted so that I save enough time to do live optimization. I have one more principle that I'd like to present to you, and then we're going to move right into applying these principles to your own web pages. So let's look at the fifth key principle. Thank you. I know you can't see this, but Daniel, our, one of our top writers, has just brought me a watch. And if I'm lucky, I may be able to put it in my pocket and walk away with it without him remembering. <laughs> so I have it. Unfortunately, it's a fancy watch, and I'm not sure I can read it, Daniel, but I'll do my best, all right? So uh, I have point five synchronization to decision patterns. Remember, that's what we talked about before, step four. But synchronization to the decision patterns of the recipient require commonality of language. Now, this is a critical point, and I could spend this entire briefing and, frankly, the next six weeks talking to you about this problem in our current emails. We talk to marketers in a different voice, or we talk to, uh, let's say, uh, the recipients of our emails in a different voice than the voice we talk to each other in. I was at a summit with many, it was a, the Sherpa Summit was pretty remarkable. It was sold out and the audience exceeded our expectations in terms of the response and the numbers. And I got a chance to slip around and just listen to marketers talk. And I can tell you right now, they don't talk to each other 
the way they phrase their emails. And this is a problem. Now, I'm going to teach five, but I need to connect all the dots for just a moment. And I want you just to see these principles clear in your mind. We say that best practices are not enough. It's essential to work within a rigorous methodology. Deriving the principles I'm giving you is that rigorous methodology, that heuristic, the experimentation across more than a billion emails. There's science undergirding the simplicity of these propositions. And you need to be familiar with the principles of that science. You don't have to be a statistician. You don't have to come work in our labs for five years. But you should learn the principles because they're rooted in a kind of fundamental research that will help you get meaningful results consistently, not just when you get lucky. Number two, clear messages are more effective than persuasive tactics. There's good news. You don't have to be an expert in persuasion tactics. You don't have to be a copywriting guru. You need to learn how to talk clearly about an offer that really will help your prospective customer, and you'll be amazed at what a difference it will make. Three, clarity in an email message is fostered really by a proper thought sequence. And that proper thought sequence, four, uh, is or should be synchronized to the decision pattern of the recipient. We talked about the three C's. I have to tell you, we worked that pattern out before, but one of our producers here who is helping develop this whole project is named Austin, and he came up with the three C's to keep it as simple as possible. I'd like to claim it for my own, but I have now admitted in public that he thought of it. I didn't. And uh, it was well done and simple but powerful. Number five, synchronization to the decision pattern of the recipient. This is the new content that I need to drill down deeply on for a few moments. If you can just give me five minutes of concentration on this, we'll get to live optimization. But it would be a mistake to blow past this and miss its profundity in terms of its ability to get a real result for you. It requires a commonality of language. You've got to talk the same language as the people you're talking to. And it has to be a language rooted in trust. So, we don't trust email. Uh, first of all, we don't trust it because it's pushed to us. And so, unlike a landing page that we visited, I mean, if we visit a landing page, at least there's the potential of interest. But email invades our life like an unwanted intruder. And in many cases, uh, it's an annoyance if it's not an outright uh, uh, assault or an insult. Some of the email I get is vulgar and ridiculous. Uh, so you are competing not with your competitor, not the competitor you think you're competing with when you send an email. You're competing with all of that obnoxious noise that's coming into the inbox. Secondly, most consumers are so inundated with marketing messages that they can't even sort them out. It's overwhelming. They miss good offers and they just, they just they run from the confusion. Just to prepare for this, we did a 24-hour survey taking one of our key analysts and studying their own inbox. You can see what we discovered. Uh, there's a picture of their inbox uh, on a given day. And... Uh, these are some of the messages. Look at the, look at the messages that came in. By the way, as you look at these messages, I want you to notice again how many of them are completely missing the mark. This one right here on the, on the front, the limited time offer. It's a magazine ad. There's no connection and there'll never be a relationship. Here are more and more and a quick summary. In a 24-hour survey, they received 283 messages. 128 came from our own team, work-related. 67 were marketing messages from some group. You're competing with those 67. 
But you're also competing with the 65 spam email that messages that came in. And you're also competing with the 23 personal messages because they very well likely are going to choose the personal message over yours. And maybe uh, it's uh, maybe it's mutually exclusive. They've only got so much time in a day. That's typical for one of the people who work in our own laboratory. What is your day like? Bear in mind that just because email is inexpensive doesn't mean it's cheap. And candidly, there needs to be a way for us to make email rich in its effectiveness, and part of it is changing the way we talk. So, uh, we also said that emails are full of so much marketing hype and qualitative bragging that no one believes us anymore. In response to that, I want to take you to an example of what messaging looked like 100 years ago. Some of you have read my uh, article called Transparent Marketing. We'll get you copies of that before the day is over. But it was based on uh, a study of advertising in the old days compared to advertising in the new days. And I say that in brackets. And this is what email would have looked like 100 years ago. This is the uh, great Yaki snake oil liniment. It relieves instantaneously. You can read the ad. If you are afflicted with, what is the word? Someone tell me. Deafness. Get our specialty, pure rattlesnake oil. Now, I don't know about you, but this makes me want to run out right now and at least find a rattlesnake because I'm not sure if that oil is being made anymore. In the article that I wrote, we looked at a group like this, and they were so successful, their plant occupied an entire city block in Pennsylvania just meeting the demand for the amazing product. Today, we know that doesn't work because as the years have passed, no one believes such claims. And the audience gets more and more skeptical, and we have the same problem. Frankly, 50 years from now, they'll be looking at the emails you sent today, and they'll look just like that to the post-consumer, the post-modern consumer. Uh, I would like to dwell more on this. My time is running out. I want to share with you two documents. Here's the first, the prospects protest, and the second one is um, a deeper look at this called the Marketing Experiments Creed. I will not teach you that now, but I'll give you a link where you can read it. I will back up, though, and read this. I'm going to read it rapidly. I think it's critical. I hope you embrace it. I think it can make a difference in your results. This is a protest written by people like my analysts who received uh, all of those emails in one given day. I am not a target. I'm a person. Don't market to me. Communicate with me. Don't wear out my name and don't call me friend until we know each other. When you say sell, I hear hype. But clarity trumps persuasion. Don't sell, say. I don't buy from companies. I buy from people. And here's a clue. I dislike companies for the same reason I dislike people. Stop bragging. It's disgusting. And why is your marketing voice different from your real voice? The people I trust don't patronize me. In all cases where the quality of the information is debatable, I will always resort to the quality of the source. My trust is not for sale. You need to earn it. Dazzle me gradually. Emily Dickinson said that, by the way. Tell me what you can't do, and I might believe you when you tell me what you can do. In case you still don't get it, I don't trust you. Your copy is arrogant, your motives seem selfish, and your claims sound inflated. If you want to change how I buy, first change how you market. Now, I wrote this probably a year ago, and it's gone all over the Internet. And I'm not writing it to you. I'm writing it to us. Uh, I'm writing it because I realize that I'm part of the problem as well as the solution, and I, I want to see it change in all that we do. And in the community of marketers who've gathered in the marketing experiments 
family, we want to talk differently to the people who are trusting us with their purchases. So, you can get a link to that later. It'll be in the script if you want to study it in more detail. It's also followed up by the creed, which is very interesting, but I will not stay there. I, I'm going to move on. Uh, and in fact, this landing page you can go to, here it is, where you can download the article written on how to talk to people in your emails. It's right there, marketingsprimps.com, transparent. And uh, I think a copy of the creed is on that page as well, and the prospects. So you can go to that one link and get it. It's all free, but you can go there. All right, let's quickly review. These are the five principles. I will not read them. I think that I've gone through them uh, already, and it's important to get to the live optimization. But it's important that you incorporate all five of these right now into your own thinking as best you can when we start to look at the new websites and understand that they originally they grow out of the heuristic that you see on your screen based on our research. And speaking of that particular heuristic, it's made a significant difference in a lot of our research, and it's making a big difference for many of our research partners, but there is more research that needs to be done. And I actually walked into the office of the production team at 3.35 and said, I want you to do something for me, please, which I probably probably created uh, uh, some frantic effort on their, their part and didn't go through proper channels. But this next slide outlines uh, something that I'm personally interested in and perhaps you can help me. In 2009, we analyzed over a billion email focusing on issues such as optimum messaging, frequency, uh, conversion rates, and other really critical issues that we formulated a series of research questions around and then began experimentation. We learned a lot, but we're getting ready to start phase three of this project in 2010. I have high hopes. I want to learn a lot more. And to do that, I need more research partners that can help me to capture this useful information. The partners in a situation like this get a lot of growth from the, from the work and ROI from the research costs. And our side, we learn. And so, surprise to my team and the people from our group that's on the line, uh, I just want to do this. I want to invite you, if, you're, if you have a company that is focused uh, with at least one of your channels of email, you're sending a fairly significant, I'm not talking about billions, not even necessarily millions, but a fairly significant amount of email and you're kind of aggressive in trying to understand how to improve your email marketing, or if you're having a particular problem with your email that might fit into our research interests, I want you to invite you to contact me personally. These emails are going to go to partners at marketingexperiments.com. I will get these, and I will work with Andy Mott, who's actually on this call, going to help me do live optimization, and we will look at every single one of them to see whether or not there's a fit for research. I've never... I've personally done this that I can recall at least, but I want to go over them myself and see if in 2010 uh, we can make more headway. And then a year from now, we'll be releasing those results in another clinic like this. We have the new summit in January and another one coming up very soon. All right, let's move on to live optimization. I have in front of me a series of emails that you have submitted. We're going to work on them, and let's go straight to the first one. This is... Uh, a email sent. I'm going to turn, uh, for those of you watching on the camera, just so I can see the screen. It's bigger. And uh, the subject line was predict polymers properties faster and easier. Now, before you start laughing in the audience, I would imagine that uh, polymer scientists understand that subject line. Others may not. Still, I want you to tell me how you would make this email better. And I've got team members standing by to help with us. Before we go to our own team members, with the audience, please start telling me the top changes that you would make. So let me look at your response, use the chat feature, and begin talking to us. Uh, reduce some copy. 
Where is the customer's name? The benefits are smaller than the second line. What is the value of the prediction? Uh, add free trial to the subject line. There's no salutation. Be more clear. Why should I check out your tool? Personalize. Good comments coming from an audience that's getting sharper and sharper in every single one of these clinics. I've noticed it. Your comments, this is the reason we asked you to give us your feedback. Keep, even as we're talking, keep giving us your feedback because we're going to analyze it post-call in order to learn how much you're learning. And uh, I think it looks like Andy's up on deck, and Andy's going to talk to us now uh, and tell us some things that he would do to make this email more effective. So go ahead, Andy. Thanks, Flint. Uh, I'll just give a little bit of uh, additional background information on this uh, this email that came from our audience. This came from uh, Sherry at uh, uh, CRM Email Excellence, and the objective here was to drive awareness and familiarity to polymer scientists that have a tool to make predicting polymer properties, that's a real mouthful, uh, easier, as well as to get them to try the web-based tool and fill out the form and log in access to the tool. So uh, I would say, first of all, maybe talk a little bit about the strategy of this email is that you're really trying to accomplish multiple objectives with this email. You're talking about the tool, you're talking about learn more and, and free 30-day trial. There's really a lot going on here when the most effective messages are going to be focused on really one thing, which is to get a click to the landing page for the offer that you want to communicate to them. Of course, it's got to have value for the, for the audience, but when you give them all these different options and all these different things to think about in this email, what, what you're creating is, as uh, Dr. McLaughlin said, is, is just more noise. So here it's not even additional emails that are creating more noise, but it's messages within this one email that, that create more noise. And, you know, it's, it's easy to say that our principles or some of the things that, uh, that we talk about in the teaching session today are, are intuitive or that a lot of marketers may have been uh, familiar with it. But we teach it because we see so often, time and time again, that these principles are not being followed in, in the, both the emails that we review with our research partners and the ones we receive in live optimization and see at the, at the various events we go to here. So in this particular example, I would say focus more on one key objective and drive all of the content towards that objective and drive them to the landing page where you can do, where you can do a lot more with, uh, uh, with selling and maybe introducing some, uh, some other options for them. Outstanding. That's absolutely right. Let me just divide my comments, and we're going to move rapidly because I want to look at another one in a completely different way in a B2C environment in just a moment. And we'll do both B2B and B2C coming up. But may I just divide my comments into what I would test and what I would change instantly? I would change instantly, for instance, the width of the, 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 the I would say, the height of the graphic. You're using half the space to display a picture that has very little meaning to me. You have essentially three headlines competing. The top headline, which is in blue. Then you have a subheadline, which is bigger than your top headline. That's a mistake. Then you have a button before I have a meaning. You're asking me to kiss you before I've even gone on a date. Underneath the button, you have another headline, and then you have a large block of bold text. My sequence of thought is not flowing naturally as I try to make meaning out of your email. So I would make certain changes that I know I don't even need to test. I'd take the 30-day free trial, and I'd get it up at the top. Now, when I say I don't even know I'd need to test, I'd like to test everything. But in a perfect environment, I would make some changes right away, and then I would test some things. I would get the word free trial in my headline. I'd give me a reason to go to the website to find out more about the free trial or find out how I can get it today or how I can have some kind of limited special incentive if I respond. Give me a reason to go right now to the website and sell me there, not here. I would also uh, test the image on the left 
When you put a face in an email, we often grab a piece of clip art. We pick the clip art because the guy is in a lab coat and he's looking in the direction we want him to look or we flip it or whatever the case. All of those are the wrong reasons. The picture should communicate value. There is no value here. And if you're doing it to make this pleasant, you've put it in the precise wrong place because the eyes always start upper left and you're giving me a graphic upper left and I don't need a graphic upper left. I'm already looking there. The image should do one of two things. It either emphasizes the value, like show me a picture of the screen if I actually have the software, a really compelling picture of the tool. It either communicates the value or it draws my eyes down through the text in the proper order so I place it on the page to control the eye path. Uh, I will say this. On a scale of 1 to 10, this is 25 to 30% better than many of the emails that I look at. You're already doing more things right than many of the emails that we see. The good news is it's leaking enough money that you can probably make these changes and get a significant gain. I want to thank you, uh, Sherry, and if we can help you more, talk to us offline. If you need to, us to look at a quick design that you send over, fire it over to us and we'll look at your changes and then keep us surprised of the test results. There's more I'd like to say, but I'm out of time. I'm going to move on. I'm looking at a B2C example. This is uh, uh, very interesting. And I, I don't know who's going to comment. Andy, are you commenting next? Uh, yeah, I can certainly make a comment. Uh, this, this comes from uh, Lindsay at entertainment.com. Uh, and I would say my, my rhetorical question to the audience is, how many emails just like this did you receive during the first week of 2010? that had some sort of promotion that was related to, uh, to New Year's. Uh, and that is really what this email is communicating, is that there is the whole value is that, you know, 2010 is the price that we're going to be charging. I think that um, uh, something that might be more valuable to the audience here would be uh, maybe a little more of an, of an open, an introduction into, uh, into what the value of the, of the product is other than just totally leading with price and uh, saying it's a, another uh, New Year uh, promotion. I think that, um, you know, the, again, the, the subject line that I see here is, is really would not stand out at all uh, among the hundreds of other New Year's promotions that, that people were sending out that were, that were very similar. All right, let me just suggest this. This is a magazine ad. And if uh, you know uh, from sending these, uh, whichever company submitted them, I'm sure that they work to some degree. Magazine ads work or we wouldn't have magazines. But they don't work as well as they could and they don't work as well as a landing page if you build it right. Our issue here is that you're sending me a magazine ad. This is not an email. It's just a magazine ad that comes in my inbox and it looks like all the spam that I hate. It looks like all that other email that I have to cut through. So you're already dealing with a kind of... Uh, uh, categorization in the email that puts me on my guard and unless I am very specific reading this and watching it, I don't, I'm not going to jump on it. Let me tell you the first reason why I'm not going to jump on it. Because the entertainment guide that you see is over there on the right hand side. It's very small. The graphic is poor. It's turned where I can't see it clearly. And the writing, which is part of your brand, is in cursive, lowercase, and it's not even square on. So please think about something. I could look at this ad for several seconds and not even know who it's from. Now, I'll guarantee you when most people get an ad like this in the email, unless they know they want it and who it's from, you're over with. Your history in there. I know you have it down at the bottom, but it's in gray on white, which is also difficult to read. What you don't have is it's not even clear where this is from. So you're already losing the only advantage you have if this is going out to previous customers. The second thing you're trying to do is sell me in the ad. 
Order now is almost defensive. I know you've got previous customers. I know some people want to order, but you've got to look at the motivation factor of your list and understand that there are many people who might not be re yet ready to order, and you're not telling me enough. If I've bought it before, which I think probably this list has, and if I was thoroughly happy, this might be enough. So you'll get a response rate. The problem is you'll get a fairly high response rate because it's probably a house list that has purchased from you in the past, not knowing that it's actually a poor response. Of course your previous customers are going to be one of your hottest lists, but you're not going to get many of the people who are marginal with this email because, number one, I don't know who it's from. Number two, you're asking me to make a decision instantly. Number three, you're giving me no reason whatsoever to go to a landing page where I can learn out more. And I have to make a decision right now in my inbox. Let me tell you how I'd fix this. A, I'd make the entertainment real clear, near the top, so people know who this is coming from. And I'd make that strong. And I wouldn't count on the subject line to communicate that. Two, I would tell them that they can save uh, whatever the amount is, $15 on this new edition by clicking here. Now you've given me a reason to click. Also, I would point out that this edition has more than 400 different you know, coupons or whatever it is you want to say that makes this a special edition and this particular edition, every single time you advertise, needs to have a special reason why you should purchase this one rather than even more so than your purchase from last year. So you've got to up the stakes to get me to go through if I'm marginal. And to do that, you need to let the landing page show me in dramatic fashion how remarkable this book is. And to do that, you've got to get me to the landing page. And to do that, you've got to quit sending me an ad and send me a reason. What I need is a personal, trustworthy reason to click through the landing page. Andy, go ahead. Great comment from the audience. Uh, Jeff said that he pays $9.99 for b most books and wants to know why this book is, uh, is more valuable. So even to, uh, to probably Jeff has never seen this email before, when he looked at this, he thought you were talking about novels or other types of books and not the entertainment books. So I thought that was a great comment from the audience, a case in point, really, to share. Yes, yes. And, and in fact, uh, I'm familiar with the company. I'm familiar with the model. I've studied it in the past. I know that the book has thousands of dollars worth of savings. I, I wish you, don't, whatever you say, don't tell the audience it's thousands of dollars worth of savings. Everybody says that. Tell me there's $26,000 in coupons in this book, and I can buy it today for $15 less than I paid for it last time, or $15 off the price everyone else is paying for it if I click to a certain number. I need that kind of clarity and that kind of motivation. Okay? Let's move on. By the way, that was submitted to us by Lindsay. And Lindsay, if you make some changes or you have some questions, contact us at... We want to do everything we can to help as many of you as you can. And some of that is, you know, this live optimization. But if you're in the audience and you're listening, the goal here is to give you transferable principles that you can take from what we're saying in these critiques and apply them to, uh, you know, to uh, your own situation. Let's look at another one. So, moving forward, we have a, a completely different kind of email. And uh, in some ways, better than what we've seen, but it's a different kind of audience. And yet, there are some things we can do to strengthen this email, too. I recognize your button, by the way. Um, this was submitted to us by, I think, Alan. And, uh, Alan, we appreciate it. Let's see if we can help you. So, uh, anybody else going to comment from our side? Before we do, though, let's get comments from the audience. Now, I'm running out of time, so type fast. Type fast. Long, says Keisha. Keisha, I just want to say this while we're going forward. Uh, sometimes long is right. Generally, it's not right in an email. Sometimes it's right on the landing page. Sometimes we think it isn't because we're following standard best practices instead of a kind of methodology that matches the cognitive psychology of our buyer. Just an FYI, we write about long copy versus short copy at the Marketing Experiments website. 
You can go there and get that, just do a search, and it's free. But it may help you to know when long copy is more appropriate than short copy. Keep going. Two columns are a bit distracting. Way too much copy. Needs a headline, says Harry. Uh, way too much copy. No personal feeling. Text heavy. Too much text. No focus. Looks like the Chronicle is pitching their newspaper to me, Sam. Uh, let's go to Andy. Andy, what are your thoughts? I'll just make uh, one quick comment here and then uh, leave it back to you. But uh, uh, my question is, uh, when was the last time you wanted to get good news about your account was that you can pay for it, which is what the opening line here says. So the good news is that you can give us money. Uh, is is the uh, is what I immediately got from this email when I when I saw it, <laughs> okay. and, and I don't think that that really probably will connect with the audience. Account is a very bad word to put in your subject line unless you're trying to send a a customer service oriented message that might have to do with renewal. And even then, I think you need to be very careful about account. It has negative connotations, uh, you know, everywhere uh, in and in many facets. So let's look at this. We're going to move rapidly because I'd like to get to more emails in the few moments that we have remaining. And uh, so I would say, first of all, there is no headline. Secondly, um, you start with the question, and it takes me four lines before I start to get an answer. And you ask me to click there, and then you ask me to click at the bottom, which can be okay since it is a text link. But uh, the text link at the bottom is matched by something that says sign up now, which is a very bad text for the button. What it means is, give me your information. And what you want it to say is, get instant access now. Get your free copy now. You imply a benefit that is greater than the pain of the click with your button. If you don't do that, the button isn't performing. The problem is exacerbated by the simple fact that you are actually trying to do the entire cell in the body of an email. And the truth is, you need to give me a much shorter email with a reason to get to the landing page where you can truly sell me effectively and where you can provide supporting information and make a compelling case. This email is doing way too much heavy lifting. It is not the job of the email to do that. Now, clearly, even a personal letter in an email should have an embedded subject line, which forms essentially your headline, or a real headline, just a plain headline at the top of the page telling me a specific reason to stop and pay attention, something that will get me to read the first paragraph. And by the end of the first paragraph, I have to be hooked enough to get ready to click. So we need to speed up the pace of this email so that I'm at a decision point sooner, but the decision point can be reached sooner if you're not asking me to make the decision to buy in the email. Give me a simple choice to make the decision to click, and the email will perform far better. And then do the work on the landing page. And we can help you with the landing page. Many of you know we do lots of optimization there. Go to the website. Again, there's more than $10 million of research there. It's all free. And uh, just use it and improve your landing pages. Uh, if you make changes, Alan, talk to our team. Tell us the results. See any way we can help you. We'll do our very best. How many of you think that this is the right pace? I've only got four minutes left. Give me quick feedback from the audience. Is this helping you? Is today useful? And uh, let me see. I can't just move that over just a little bit more for me so I can see the, the responses. Other way. Good. Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. All right. Let's move swiftly to the next then. I'm looking at a, uh, a new email. And uh, let's go there. All right. Subject line proof. Take Blackboard paperless and go green. Oof. All right. So look at that headline. And uh, let's move quickly. Audience. Start telling me what you think, but I'm going to start optimizing in the name of our, uh, you know, basically because of our time. So I am looking at this email, and it says, go green, save dollars, equals save dollars. Uh, we have a lot of issues with this particular email. We have a large 
left. We have a large uh, left block that isn't doing any work at all. It's just taking up space. It's not communicating clearly. I like the idea of the, of the large stack of paper with an X on it, but it is not clear. It looks like a scene from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and it needs, it needs to communicate clearly. It needs a caption. Your paragraph is too long. There's no good headline. Uh, the, you have useful information, however. But I need a stronger reason. Go green equals save dollars is not enough, and I have to figure out what you mean by go green. I really do. Some people really have to do that. You say, well, everybody knows what green is. Yes, but in the context of sorting through 128 emails, your mind is not in that place. You have to be especially clear with an eighth-grade vocabulary to make this work, and the headline doesn't give me enough meaning. We need a strong subheader, and uh, we need personalization, and I'd be careful about the box in the middle. I'd be careful about asking people to act on the basis of the email without getting them to the landing page. And then you have perhaps the worst button in all of captivity, register now. I, it, I mean, it sounds like I'm you know, put on the list uh, and uh, John Birch is going to come after me, for those of you who know what I'm talking about. All right, I want to say a lot more, but I want to... In fact, let me ask the audience a couple of quick things. One... Uh, would you like us to do another clinic where we just keep doing live optimization? Because I'm out of time, and there are many more submissions, and a few yeses will not be enough. I need a kind of overwhelming response from you to know that it's worthwhile for us to schedule this, because it's a huge production for us. Uh, it looks like we're just, we're not in an office standing somewhere. There's a whole production team and cameras rolling and a lot of work, and uh, we want to make it work, again, if it's worthwhile to you. While you're doing that, uh, could you take me to the last slide? And Andy, are you going to talk about that, or am I? Am I? All right, take us to the last slide. And uh, before Andy comes, don't forget what I said about emailing me personally. Andy and I will review your emails as we try to find the perfect fit. Andy, go ahead. Sure, just one quick thing we want to talk about. I think I have about 18 seconds to go over this. Uh, uh, all the information I'm going to, be, going to be covering here is at marketingexperiments.com slash email. Uh, we're offering something that we've never done in the past, which is to uh, take our research team and do a complete analysis from the front to back of one entire email campaign. So that in includes uh, the, the capture process and some data analysis around the capture process, actually doing uh, some optimization of your email and creating a wireframe for you as if you were one of our research partners that we do this for on a regular basis, uh, and then also carrying that forward to the landing page to give you a treatment design on how we would design the landing page to uh, really connect the dots from the capture to the email to the landing page so you can get the most out of one individual campaign. Lots more information at marketingexperiments.com slash email. I encourage many of you to check that out and, and take advantage of, uh, of this opportunity. Okay, Andy. Thank you very much. Over to Greg. I hate to break up the fun. We really are out of time. It's been great. I hope uh, that all of you who would like us to do this again have indicated so on your Q&A feature. I want to point out that there is going to be a replay, a full replay, and a full report available on marketingexperiments.com next Thursday of this webinar that we've just completed. If you'd like to learn more about training, learning our methodologies, check out marketingexperiments.com slash training. If you think that you might be a good potential research partner for us, please do contact us at marketingexperiments.com slash partners. And please do fill out your survey when you exit. Thank you again for attending. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this recording of the Marketing Experiments web clinic. You can sign up to receive invites to future web clinics, along with $10 million worth of research on marketingexperiments.com.